Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is episode 190. I had to say it. We are creeping towards that 200 mark. I can hardly believe it. What a journey. What a wild ride. Had so much fun meeting so many amazing collectors, engaging in the community, learning from you as I do this thing and record a podcast or a couple podcasts every week. It has been one of the most satisfying and self-fulfilling projects that I've ever uh, been a part of. It has been amazing. I love doing this. I love stacking slabs. I love meeting all of you. And by God, at the end of the day, I just love the hobby more and more. I am feeling very tired and very sore as I record this. I've got my coffee going. I just got done with a pretty intense workout that didn't necessarily involve running. And I know for all you people who get out there and look after your physical health, you know, when you change it up a little bit, it's, uh, it can, it, there's, I'm going to be sore tomorrow, let's just say, but it's okay. I, I got my time allocated here every week to sit down, stare at my microphone and talk with you. I know this is solo and it feels like I'm talking at you, but I hope it feels more like I'm talking with you because I am bringing on topics directly from the community. And I've been doing this little thing at the end where I bring in community participation and have the hobby carry the load at the end. And that is what we are going to be doing. So more comments, commentary from the hobby. It is my role as the host of this show to not only talk, share my perspective, but also facilitate some of the most important conversations that are going on in the hobby some ideas, uh, new topics, and that is what I will be doing at the end. So thank you for checking in, listening to the Stacking Slabs podcast. And by the way, as I record this, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It is Super Bowl Sunday, one of my favorite days of all of them every year. I just dig it. Um, I, I talked about it last week, but it's just a it's a ritual. You know, I'm a football guy. I buy into all of it. I, um, there's not going to be a, a major party here at Stacking Slabs HQ. Um, we got a baby that we got to put to bed so we can enjoy the Super Bowl. So no loud noises, no, none of that riffraff. If you, if you had some riffraff going on at your Super Bowl party, I'd love to hear it. Love to hear those stories. But yeah, my, my focus is on the food. I'm trying to plan out the day. I just got done cooking a nice breakfast. I got some eggs scrambled, threw a little cheese on those, got some sausage links going. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a over easy egg guy and we've been doing a lot of those, but today the wife requested some scrambled eggs. So I, I got to work and got some protein in me after my brutal workout. And uh, now I'm throwing stuff over here, um, but I'm excited to get going. The Super Bowl. I mean, what's left to be said at this point, it will have already happened on the other side of it. I think my primary focus and something that I put out um, on my stories uh, yesterday as I record this um, was this idea of what happens to the quarterbacks, win, lose, or draw. What can we expect? 
And I think there's a track record and a history regarding post-Super Bowl performance. And if you go back and you look at the history books, I think there are two eras. There's the one one era is pre-madness, pre-pandemic, pre-this past year, which was the most significant year in the history of the football card market. I will say it. And then it's now living in living post-pandemic, living in this era where football cards are being recognized. So I kind of did did a little digging in, looked at card ladder, looked at some data and saw these things. Okay. So you all remember when Brady um, came back against the Falcons? I think everyone remains remembers that. Definitely a crowning moment in the pantheon of Tom Brady. But from him winning that game until the start of the next season in 2017, his cards went up 15%. Okay, so my comment was, can you imagine if that that would have happened in this pandemic era or this madness era where football cards are recognized? So there you go. So then 2018, we know that Tommy lost in the Super Bowl to Nick Foles. We all remember that. I didn't really uh, find much Nick Foles data. So I went back and looked at Brady and said, uh, okay, so Brady lost. What happened between him losing the Super Bowl until the next year, start of the season? His cards were up 0.85%. So not a major jump, pretty much flatlined. Now you look, you go back to the Rams game. The last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, Rams, Patriots, Brady wins. It's Brady bounced back. Didn't really matter. The kind of from post-Super Bowl to start of the next season, it was pretty flat. His cards went up just 5%. Now we're dipping into the, the craziness a little bit. Here's what I want to talk about. So you got Mahomes. Mahomes getting his first Super Bowl. Young, exciting player beating the San Francisco 49ers. And his cards from the conclusion of that game to the start of the next season went up 218%, which is freaking insane. So I think the call out is, and I'm not the first person to present this data to the audience, but I do want to talk about it because it's relevant and timely that in the first month between after the Super Bowl looked like a good buying opportunity. It was flat. It, I think what you see is supply hitting the eBay and all the marketplaces and the collector gets rewarded. But slowly after that, when the momentum um, continues to pick up, that's when you know his chart ticks up. So I think that's important to call out, 218%. But there was a month window where you could buy at the prices that were there right before the Super Bowl happened. Now you've got last year. And last year obviously was throw some gasoline on the fire where you have Tom Brady's market post Bucks W over the Chiefs went from, it grew 230% from post-Super Bowl to the start of this season, which is just wild. I think you, there's a, there was a window though. So there was a window, but it was a little smaller um, before things jumped up and it was like that month window. So, I mean, Brady was the conversation last year, but there was a chance after he won his, his seventh to be like, you know what? I'm going to jump on this train because this might be my last time. So I think let's talk about football cards. Football cards in the last year as a market 
index and card letter have gone up 177%. So what I said is I think the recent data suggests that if Burrow or Stafford wins, there's going to be opportunity. Um, Your chance at buying their cards before another explosion is like that small window after the game. So the game is over right now as this is published. So there's probably a small window. Um, whether you're a Stafford guy and he wins, Burrow guy or gal and he wins, I think that's just what history tells us based on the data. So it might seem high, but chances are by the time next season rolls around, it will be up significant in whoever wins his market. Maybe whoever loses his market. I don't know. That's something else to look at too. So I just think that's important to call it. I also think like, I've been reflecting on this, the fact that you have a young second-year quarterback that is, you know, getting this moment is really big for football cards. So those are the things that I am looking at. I'm excited to sit here, enjoy the game. I'm also excited for that halftime show, man. I am excited. Those are uh, just Snoop, Dre, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and my man, Kendrick Lamar. He is my guy. I'm excited for that. So lots happening. We'll know the winner. By the time this goes live, but I'm excited to hunker down and enjoy that. I'm going to be sharing a big wrestling card sale that happened this week in the modern sphere, a sphere that I hang out in. So I'm going to comment on that. Also, I just want to say that that Nat Turner story about his cards being stolen, him getting the GPS thing going of the iPad, tracking down the bad guy, getting the cards, taking the picture with his cops with the cops who who got it was just incredible. It was like, I'm so happy. So often when cards get stolen, they're not good endings, but that was awesome that you had a happy ending to that story. Um, That is what we like to see in the hobby. And I appreciate Nat for sharing that out with the community. One thing I want to start with is going over to another podcast that I really like. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I, I crowned um, this podcast, the Stacking Slabs Hobby Podcast of the Year last year, and that is Kyle from Wax Museum Podcast. Um, he does a really great job. Listen to it every week. But I was listening to his episode this past week, and it really got me to think. And I had the same sentiment, and I'm so glad he just like called it out on a show. But we had the NBA trade deadline, and talk about a trade deadline that definitely impacted my team. My team looks a lot different, and I will say. I am thrilled that Tyrese Halliburton is wearing blue and gold at this point. We, I saw the, the first kind of run of the new team. They did not beat the Cavs, but they were v- definitely competitive, and the offense looked ridiculous. They scored 70-plus points in the first half, so excited about the future in Indiana, and it was nice to get a key piece like Tyrese Halliburton, who's a second-year point guard who has a tremendous future ahead of him, um, and, and Will miss uh, Sabonis and the, the Kings got a good player with him. Kind of the time had, had run on this uh, iteration of the Indiana Pacers. So I'm excited about what's ahead, but I got to call out. So Kyle said, you know, it's just so lazy that when the trade deadline happens, like you've got content creators and all they do is they're, they're just showing like charts of these cards and players who have just gotten traded and everything's going up. And it's just like, yeah, that's obvious. Whenever there's a significant change, people are going to swarm and people are going to buy on potential of the new scenery. But 
oftentimes what doesn't get discussed is what happens on the other side of that after that moment where everyone's sharing charts of these cards going up and influencers and talking heads in the hobby are telling you to buy now and these five cards and all that mumbo jumbo business. Well, I took it upon myself because I liked Kyle's uh, train of thought and I have access to tools that provide me a historical look back at what's happened, what has happened in the past when we have a player who gets traded and does that initial spike sustain? Like what goes on? So what I did was look back just on a year ago, look back and said, hey, what happened at the trade deadline last year? And let's look a little bit at the performance of that player's cards and see if we can draw any parallels to what's happening. So I'll put a caveat in saying last year's trade deadline definitely sucked. (laughs) Not as exciting as this one. Definitely no big splashes like Harden and Simmons, but there were, were some trades. And I think this is just compelling data. So the first one I want to call out, and this guy was an all star. Nikola Vucevic, um, he got traded from the uh, Magic as an all-star to the Chicago Bulls. And I was looking back on the trade. Bulls gave up an awful lot for him, and not just the players, but um, they traded uh, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, a first-rounder in 2023, and a, a first-rounder, I guess, last year, this past year, and a first-rounder in 2023. as substantial. But Vucevic is... His cards since the trade deadline today have gone down in card ladders, market index has have gone down 81%. These are going up, not a like compelling story to tell there because it's bad news. Now, another guy, former all-star, near and dear to my heart, Victor Oladipo. Granted, he has not been on the floor, but his cards, again, there's an 81 number. His cards since been traded from the Rockets to the Miami Heat, down 81%. Yeah. All right. The final one I want to call out is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's cards, um, when he was traded from the Magic, the Magic were busy last trade li- deadline, um, but went from the Magic to the Denver Nuggets, and his cards are down 69% since the trade deadline last year until now. That, I think, is uh, better evidence for what happens when players get traded outside of being the ones to go and buy the cards right now and hope for the best. So I hear you, Kyle. I did some uh, research uh, via card ladder and that's what I came up with. So hopefully we're creating content in the community. We don't just put out and say these cards are going up, but we do some context building and we dig into our platforms and share what we can expect in the future. So we're not putting out bad content. We're not trying to direct new participants who are entering our hobby to do the wrong thing because that's not good for the hobby. We should know better than that. I put out this past week a message that said, there's a Minecraft mentality that can be taken to the hobby. It's an endless expedition where we have the autonomy to decide how we want to play the game. Blocks are replaced by cardboard, different ways to build, infinite terrain to operate, freedom to choose. This is a topic that I've been thinking a lot about and I get in a rabbit hole in my mind when I think about So I want to discuss it here. And I think there are the two greatest opportunities that we all have in the hobby at the highest level possible. So zooming all the way out is number one, 
the opportunity to be unique and express ourselves through our collections. So that is thinking independently, that is thinking critically, that is thinking about where your money goes and putting that money in places that not only you see potential in, but also align with your own personal happiness. That is awesome. And when I see collectors that are unique and people buying players and things that no one else are buying because they have an emotional connection to them and are a stepper, maybe two ahead of everyone else, I always tip my cap because I like that because I know that person is thinking critically and collecting and buying for themselves. The second greatest opportunity that I think we have is the ability to participate and engage in our community. So I think, first of all, if we go back to number one and this opportunity that we all have to be unique and express ourselves, I think like Minecraft, like Grand Theft Auto or like The Sims are interesting use cases because if you give the controller to anyone, they're all going to, everyone's going to approach the game differently. And so I, I view like, okay, this is how it can work in the hobby if people aren't just sheep and following what everyone else says. So I think through these experiences, the player learns what they like or what they don't like about the game or about the hobby. I think it's an infinite loop where you can continue to focus on the phases of the game that you are passionate about and go all in. This is how collecting works. Each buying or selling experience is a learning experience. That's how I view it. We have different connection points for the cards that are in our PC. When we get that mail day that that represents that player product or parallel that hits that feel spot for us, the force definitely gets stronger. I was having a chat this week with uh, my buddy Drake. Shout out Drake's PC. And he said something about himself that I thought was telling. He said, I'm not a completist, but I'm a run collector. And I, I like that. I think we all go on these like collecting sprees where whether it's we got to get all the golds from prism from this five-year span or all the parallels in this set. And we just can't stop thinking about it until that run is over. And I think this evolves and changes for me. And I think that's why having a high volume of activity is important more than ever before when it comes to satisfying your hobby needs. So the second point I called out there, so that's the thinking independently about how you approach the hobby. The second is community, right? There's a built-in community to find people who explore similar lanes. In this process, you build and develop friendships. You find honey holes of people who have cards that you want that you can go grab that might not be public, and it's a great way to get cards. You begin appreciating different segments of the hobby through people that you didn't even know. So you've got collecting in a unique way that's satisfying you, but then you've also got the community. Now, when you intersect the two of these, the community inherently and people influence other people. So my kind of exploration is trying to figure out what the balance is between thinking independently and critically about what you're collecting and then also engaging with the community and being influenced. I've been like thinking, studying, and going down, educating myself on the psychology behind influence because I think it's fascinating. I'm educating myself on what's happening with NFTs and, and why people are following other people. And I'm curious on influence. And I look at the hobby and I look at cards and I am interested in why people are 
influenced and why people aren't buying for themselves. And so as a guy who does marketing for a living, I try to get educated, get enabled. And one of the best pieces of content that I have found is a book called Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. And in this book, he talks about different elements that influence people. His elements are reciprocity, scarcity, authority, commitment, liking, consensus, and social proof. One is reciprocity. So it's like you walk into a grocery store and someone offers you candied bacon and you eat that candied bacon and it tastes really good because you're hungry. And so you're more inclined to listen to the sales pitch about the product because you were given something. So there's reciprocity, there's scarcity, which is something I think we can all agree that we rally around as collectors. But obviously, if there's less of something, people want more, and that's influential. There's authority or influencers, right? People drive our decision-making based on their position in any market or in the world. Commitment and consistency. So this is kind of a gateway. So something minor might turn into something bigger. Uh, liking, and this one's pretty obvious, but just the more we like certain people, the likelier we are to listen to them and have them influence us. And then finally, it's just consensus or social proof. So, right, made money on this card. I'm going to go buy another card that might fall in these lanes, or I saw someone else do it. So I think what I'm trying to explore is just this idea of we have this opportunity to be unique and be an individual and collect what we like and dig in and kind of put on our blockers. But then we're also participants in the hobby, which is the main driver for many of us because it's the connection and the community focus. So one of the things that I'm just going to be digging into is what's the balance between being influenced by a community and being unique. And I think that's really interesting and it's a topic that I want to learn about. So that is something that I'll be digging in in conversations um, like this one and with other people. I'm excited about this Friday's episode. I am, I'm talking about other podcasters. I'm bringing one on. I got my man, Lou Janu from the Card Talk podcast. He's a guy that I've been trading messages with. I was on Card Talk for a hot second a, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, man, I know we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to be, I'm going to bring him on. They spend a lot of time talking about alternative markets and talking about opportunities. So we're going to talk about that and just like creating content and a bunch of other things. So I'm excited about that. I also want to just reiterate a point that I brought up. I think it was last week, but just we sometimes you just got to let go. Give up cards that you want in order to move on to bigger and better things. It's an evolution. I'm trying to move forward. I got my man Worf, who I'm sending cards to. I'm letting go and I send them these cards, these cards that I thought would be in my collection forever and now they're not. So unfortunately, we don't all have the opportunity to just hang on to everything we want all the time and I think that's, being okay with that is a big deal and I also think like the more we let go and try new things that fall into our primary collecting lane or maybe opening up a new one, the more fun we all have in the hobby. Man, there was a pretty damn big Roman rain sale. When we talk about wrestling cards, talk about vintage and talk about modern, the modern side is what I spend my time in. Serial numbered, scarce, shiny, refractors, all of those good things that we know and love from modern basketball, football, baseball product. 
that's where I gravitate towards. And so a lot of the big sales in the past have been on the vintage side. We just saw the biggest sale, which was the 2014 Roman Reigns. Shout out Roman Reigns. I collect Roman. Um, one of one super fractor autograph PSA 10 sold for 15 K that is worth celebrating. And definitely there's been a ton of other activity since that's gone down. So I wanted to call that out as a point to just say wrestling cards, modern wrestling cards are arriving. You know, I talk about wrestling cards a lot, so I will be covering more sales like this and the implications in coming episodes of the Stagging Slabs podcast. Before I get out of here, this is kind of ironic because this was a Roman Reigns card that I missed, but I put out there that I fell asleep at the wheel. And when I say I fell asleep at the wheel, I did what I think many of you probably have done in the past. And that's you're waiting for an auction to end and it's late. And you, the countdown clock, as you're looking at it, your eyes get drowsy. And then all of a sudden when you wake up, it's like an hour later and the auction's over and you're just gutted by it. Well, that happened to me this week on a card. It was a Roman Reigns card, as a matter of fact. It wasn't the 15K card, but um, it was a pretty damn cool card. And so I'd been waiting all week. The auction did at 1130 my time, way past my bedtime. Um, I did like, I was trying, I got up and I was brushing my teeth trying to kill time. And I did, I did something that there was a couple lessons from this on my end. Number one, never go to your bed with your phone and be like, I'll just get in bed and look at it and make the snipe bid from the bed. Don't do that because you'll fall asleep. That's what happened to me. The other thing I would suggest to the audience on this is just put in your bid before. If I would have put in my max bid before, I would have won the card. And so I'm pissed off about that. So we've all fallen asleep at the wheel. So I asked the community, I said, hey, I was like the next day, I was like, okay, so you fall asleep at the wheel or you lose an auction. Like, what do you do next? What's the next move? Like, talk to me. And here are some of the responses I got. And this is what I want to close out with on this episode. B3 sports cards, sigh. But then you bounce back. Hobby moves too fast and waits for no one. Love the perspective. Just keep going. It's kind of like when you sell cards that you love. It's just like, just keep going, baby. Keep the train moving. Nice looking cardboard. Patience. Don't be reactionary and buy the first thing you see. Stay patient. That is, I have been patient since that. And I have had urges, but I, I appreciate that one. Nice looking cardboard. And I agree. NY Giants card guy, download an eBay sniping app, LOL. I need to be educated on these sniping apps. There's a sniping app out there. Holler at me. Although, I I don't know. It might just be like, put in your chubby max bid. Maybe that's the play and the sniping days are over. I don't know. I'm still trying to balance this out. Bear down, boiler up. Step one, throw phone. Step two, retrieve phone. Step three, check if it's relisted yet. I'm with you on that. Warren Bucket cards. If my bid would have lost, I go back to sleep. If my bid would have won, I stare at the ceiling. There was a lot of staring ceiling the next day. Trust me on that one, Warren Bucket cards. Sports card cartel. Try not to go much too much on tilt, but wind, I'll wind up paying more if another one copy comes up one way or the other. That's kind of like how I am because the card sold and like I still had room. So if another one popped up, And this is a serial numbered card, so who knows if it will. But if uh, another one popped up, I would definitely be paying, would be happy to be paying over comps. Cousin collectibles. Immediately check other sites to see if the card is available. If not, sit and cry. 
Thank you, Cousins Collectibles. I did try that, and I'm still wiping away my tears. Give me sports. I have budget, so losing is not a huge deal, but falling asleep, those cards always seem to sell cheap. Yes, it was cheap to me, and that's what I'm gutted by it. 916 Collectibles, find the same card and smash buy it now button. PC satisfied, lesson learned. I wish I could smash buy it now. I wish I could. I can't. Drake's PC is being the heel here. He says, buy something else to fill the void. Everyone's saying, be patient. Drake's saying, fill the void. I have definitely been a void filler in the past. I've definitely done that. And as a matter of fact, I bought some really great cards as void fillers that I still have in my collection. War of Sports card, self-reflect. How upset was I after I was missing? Help guides the next move. Very sound advice, Worf. Joshua's cards, on to the next card. Jimmy Lop, 56, lately just laughing it off because even my high bids I, I'm putting in um, before sleeping are losing badly. Yes, a lot of competitive uh, segments of the market. Wada Shiwa, 05, send a reactionary offer on a different car. Kind of falling in the Drake's camp there. Gowdy Gum, patience, regularly checking your save searches. It will surface again. I love that. It is a long game, remember, ladies and gentlemen. 671 Fanatics, take it as a blessing. Maybe a sign to go for something higher value card on your watch list. I love this. I feel like I'm getting there. I'm, I feel like I got a bunch of people in my corner right now because these are reading these are making me feel good. And the final one, mostly 90s basketball cards, put that max bid in early. If you're bidding, against other snipers it won't matter that is what i wish i would have done and so we're going to put an exclamation point on this episode with that one thank you mostly 90s basketball cards sniping might be overrated is sniping overrated i'm going to put that out there is sniping overrated let's hear it thank you so much for listening to this episode of stacking slabs had a baby in the back gonna have to you hear some crying she's okay in the middle of the episode i went down and checked on her She's just hungry, man. When you got a four-month at the crib, man, they get hungry a lot. So everything is going well here at Stacking Slabs HQ. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More Stacking Slabs on Friday. Luja New, Car Talk Podcast. Let's go. Let's go.